season and welcome Senator Ron Wyden. Let me begin with saying how grateful I am for this opportunity uh, to have a conversation with the Senator with so many demands on your schedule um, that you take time to do this. If you go on your website, I encourage everybody to do, you can see how busy uh, the Senator is. Um, thank you for your decades of service in the Congress, first in the House and now in the Senate. I personally am extremely lucky that I met you when you first came to town in Congress in 1981. Now I can't believe it, you're the eighth most senior member of the Senate. And let's just have a conversation. Uh, I would like to conclude, Senator, is why I should be as optimistic about America as you are. Uh, all your activities in Congress obviously have focused a lot on economic policy. And why don't we start by just you telling us Tell us, having a conversation about where you think the economy is. I think that's a good place to, to start. And, uh, you know, people all over the world always understand the incredible resilience of Americans and, and our country. I'm very fond of a quote from Abi Ban, the late degree diplomat, who at one point in some very sensitive negotiations said, the Americans always get it right. And then he paused and he said, after they've tried everything else. And I suspect many Americans feel that the last four years has really been something along the lines of the everything else kind of discussion. We're obviously in a very deep economic uh, hole. And the challenge, of course, is to try to make the right policies so as to give ourselves a chance to climb out of the hole. For example, I'm very troubled by all these accounts of small businesses basically vanishing. I woke up yesterday to the beautiful lilt of Morgan Freeman, who said, uh, for example, that he believes in a year 85% of the restaurants in America won't exist. So I'm putting a lot of effort, for example, in terms of small business. I've got two major tax incentives in the uh, package to deal with racial uh, disparities. Um, one of them is for small businesses that hire their first employee. So if you have a little business and you're trying to get a validation for others, for your first employee, there would be a tax incentive for that, and also uh, to encourage angel investment in that particular sector. Because most of my state, once you're done with Nike and Intel and a handful of others, is basically small business. I think these small businesses feel, by and large, that they have been forgotten in all of this. For example, the first round of the PPP program, which is obviously well known. People heard about Ruth Chris and all these big powerful people. And the little guy, you know, who might run uh, a pub and um, craft brews are very popular in my state as in much of the country. They're worried about having enough liquidity in order to replace inventory. And so uh, I think that's a good place to, uh, to start. There will be other kind of priorities. I wrote the unemployment legislation that updates the program to include gig workers and the self-employed independent entrepreneurs. And I don't want that program 
held hostage any longer, the way it has been right now. So what I want to do is say that in the future, and it's expected that there will be unemployment certainly for some years to come, that the benefits be tied to economic conditions on the ground. And one of the reasons I did this is I saw at one point John Thune, a member of the Republican you know, leadership who I do a lot of work with, very fond of, he at one point said, you know, I hear the case um, when unemployment is high, um, while, while the benefit has to be sufficient so people can make rent and buy groceries. But when um, unemployment goes down, the benefit should reflect that. That's essentially what I'm proposing. And that way you tie it to economic conditions on the ground rather than setting these arbitrary gates that allow politicians to hold um, a critical issue um, hostage. And it's particularly important right now because the Bureau of Labor Statistics recently came out with an analysis uh, on job scarcity and showed that uh, for every job, according to BLS, there are um, four unemployed workers. Senator, I could not agree uh, with you more about um, about America and that that's where we get a lot of the innovation. Uh, that's what America is about, people starting their own business. Um, and uh, I, I, there are some, and I share some of the concerns, that the system may actually be uh, be rigged for the big boys against the small folks. And I think that's a, a concern that, that's bipartisan that we need to do more for the entrepreneurial spirit in small business. Do you want to uh, perhaps elaborate on, on our mutual great concern about getting the economy going and making sure the economy of the future grows? Do you want to address any specific policy let, area? Let, let, let's talk for a bit about technology, because technology has been such an important economic engine for our country. And, you know, we're looking at the prospect of digital taxes, unfair digital taxes from the um, Europeans. And fortunately, Chuck Grassley and I are pushing back uh, uh, on that. I think we can keep that um, bipartisan. But there is kind of a misunderstanding about some of the kind of key questions. For example, I wrote a law with uh, former Congressman Chris Cox, Republican of California, which led to a book called The 26 Words That Created the Internet. And basically what our law said was that if you owned a website or a blog, you couldn't be held personally liable for what was posted on your site. Because back then, I certainly didn't know everything about the internet, but I said, why in the world would anybody invest in this exciting sounding new thing if they were gonna be held liable for everything posted? So that's often seen as the law that relates to um, what created social media platforms and technology companies and the like. Now, some politicians have come along and said, well, what Ron Wyden and Chris Cox talked about really wasn't a good idea because um, their bill was supposed to promote neutrality. And they don't think that the marketplace reflects that. And I said, look at the bill. It doesn't talk about neutrality. It's about markets. It's about private sector markets. If you want to run a conservative website, more power to you. Do your best in the marketplace. You want to run a liberal website, same thing. Go to it. The markets will decide. So uh, I think 
We've got a big education job in front of us to keep our lead. And by the way, so there's no subtlety about it, the fight for the future of the internet is between the United States and China. That is where the battle is all about. And I would hate to see us give up some of these policies, like um, this law that Chris Cox and I wrote uh, 2.30 at a time when we so need innovation in our technology leadership. The, the interesting thing about, you mentioned China, our last guests were Senator Chuck Hagel and Tom Ridge. And one of the big comments, because they come from different perspectives, was China. We're free traders. Is China a challenge to free trade? Well, let's kind of make sure we know what we're talking about here. I'm in favor of smart trade. Now, I stepped in when the Trump people were trying to get USMCA through the Senate and put together a coalition with Senator Sherrod Brown, for example, of Ohio, to ensure that we had tough tools to deal with trade sheets. And right now, to a great extent, China wants open access to our market, but they won't give us access to theirs. People are not familiar with this, but with all of the retaliation that the Trump people have set up, the China market is more closed to the United States and to your um, listeners and commentators today and the like. It is more closed to the United States than it was when Donald Trump took office. Now, Donald Trump doesn't want you to know that. But with all the retaliation, that's the net effect. And my guess is, and I think we probably ought to go to a couple of questions or whatever you want to do here quickly. I think the business community, when I talk to them, they are much more interested in results than they are in retaliation. Um, I do want to thank you because you were, you've were you been a leader when you were in the House on NAFTA. And, and I did see and appreciate your your comments on, on USMCA. Um, you alluded to something um, and you are unique. You're unique in the sense that you are able to build bipartisan coalitions. You've even come up with a concept called principal bipartisanship and had some unique partners like Paul Ryan and others. I guess my simple question is, is bipartisanship viable today? Well, I, I know a lot of people are hanging crates on the prospect of any kind of cooperation. I'm not one of them. And let's make sure everybody knows what we're talking about here. Bipartisanship, to me, is not about taking each other's crummy ideas. Anybody can do that. Take, you know, crummy ideas from somebody, put on a, a dark outfit and you know, a colored tie or a scarf or whatever, and then go and say you're being bipartisan. That's not what I think bipartisanship is all about. Bipartisanship, you know, for example, um, on the tax side, should be about encouraging innovation, which Republicans say is their central goal. I'm all in on innovation. I just described that. But it should also be fair. And I'm going to wrap up with this because this might anger some people um, in the organization. I think it is unacceptable that a firefighter who puts their life on the line day in and day out has their taxes extracted from every single paycheck 
every paycheck. That firefighter who's doing so much for our country has their taxes taken out of their paycheck. Somebody who makes most of their money on capital investment doesn't have their taxes taken out that way. By the way, that person doesn't pay into Social Security either. So they're going to have to pay their fair share. I think they're still going to be able to be plenty successful. I want people to be successful. I think I touched on that here today. I want to grow the private economy. I want to make it more fair, though. And it's not fair today. So let's well, use that as kind of an opening salvo. And if somebody's got a quick question or two, we can do that. Um, Senator, these are where I'm going to do most of the questions, if, if, if you don't mind. We sure. stuff. But one of the things, if I could say, I want to make it crystal clear, and I don't care if I offend some of the listeners here or who watch it later. Um, you know I do my homework, and I've just reread all 33 pages of a document called Treat Wealth Like Wages. And I totally agree with you. Uh, that, that, that we need to do something about, about, um, about inequality. It's just a question of, of how you approach it. And you and I always believe in ideas. So um, the business community has to be prepared uh, to defend their positions on these various issues. And you have always talked about ideas. I think that's one reason you and I, I, I get along uh, so well. So you raise very real Real points. You and I have talked about it. We've got different approaches, and all I wanted to do is not end the uh, the webinar until you and I make a deal. Well, you gotta pull up at the root so much of the 2017 tax bill. What a stacked deck! All the incentives for people at the top, the middle. Folks got something temporary. It was supposed to pay for itself. Didn't come close. Um, you know, I have made it clear, and we just, you know, we just talked about it. Is if Republicans walk in and say, "Thing we really want is small business and innovation, and you know, some predictability and certainty for taxes," I'm all for it. But it's going to have to be a hell of a lot fairer than it was in 2017. Because in, 20, in 2017, a firefighter get you know, this much on a temporary basis. And if you were at the top, you got that much and it was permanent. And um, again, I, one of the reasons I keep going is one of the reasons I, we talked about ideas matter. And one of the things that happened, you and I discuss ideas. I think you and I have talked about Federalist Number Twenty One, which is a as a consumed income tax, and obviously one can be progressive about that. But what's exciting to me is you're a man of principles, you're a man of ideas, and I know that we will have a full scale debate. And I hope you'll let me uh, participate in that. Anything else you want to say? Oh, by the way, I should add, I should add this. I don't know if you've seen this, but last week I had a piece in the Wall Street Journal. I saw it, and um, I'm and Ron Wyden, being who he is, he's he's still here, and and we engage in in these debates. So well, and, um, and and Mark, I think the point really is that capital gains 
in particular, which had been certainly the centerpiece of, of, of your or organization, is an area that I just don't think you can say business as usual is acceptable because you take some of these principles and I know people, you know, talk about, you know, carried interest and stepped up basis. What I'm concerned about is the basic proposition. And this is why I've been opened ideas and the like that somebody who makes their money primarily through capital investments can, in a very real way, go for years paying very little, if any, taxes on that. And that's not right. Everybody should have to pay their fair share. And so I invite members of the group, you know, to offer, you know, offer their offer their ideas. And one of the reasons I spent so much time kind of reaching out and trying to get ideas is I haven't yet fixed on the specifics of a bill. But I know I can no longer stand up at a town hall meeting and tell the firefighter whose taxes come out every week that they're the ones who are going to continue when we grow the economy from the middle class, you know, out. They're the ones who are going to pay taxes every week. And people who are very well off, you know, financially don't even pay into Social Security, let alone, you know, make the kind of contributions they make for the for the general common good. So ideas are very welcome. And um, my hope is at the, at the end of the day, because I think we're gonna be in very challenging economic you know, circumstances. We can find common ground around the proposition that everybody pays their fair share and we do it in a way so that everybody in America has a chance to get ahead. Because inequality has grown so dramatically in the last few years. Well, all I can tell you, you know, I'm, I'm a nobody, as you know, is that I am very concerned about it. And I tell the business community from all sectors, whether it be energy or Wall Street or whatever, that this is an important issue and you've got to engage and the only last quip, and you've heard me say this before, and that is that I'm all for taxing the hell out of the multimillionaire on Wall Street who has a $10 million or $5 million uh, birthday party uh, because we want to encourage saving and investment. But you're, you're great. You're unique, Senator, and I appreciate this. If we move to other sort of issues, um, I think one issue that, that there's agreement on, if you don't mind me raising it, is infrastructure. Right. Well, and I, I'm uh, very pleased um, with uh, the Biden infrastructure kind of focus, build back better. Um, he's been very interested in something that I developed that has had bipartisan support called Build America Bonds, public-private 
partnership, their tax credit bonds. Uh, the federal government had never bonded before in 2009. And on the last night of the Recovery Act, the Democratic and Republican leadership of the committee said they heard about these Build America bonds things and they asked me to describe it. I did, tax credits, laid it out. Last for a year and a half, they said, we've never bonded before. I said, that's right. And they said, what do you think is going to happen? I said, well, I've talked to a lot of investors and financial firms. They said, we might sell three, four billion dollars worth a year and a half. Everybody goes, oh my goodness, three, four billion dollars worth. $180 billion worth of Build America bonds that sold in a year and a half. And to this day, I can go on the streets of America and people say, Ron, where do I go to get a Build America bond? So I do think it's an opportunity. And I think history will record that it was legislative malpractice for Donald Trump in January of 2017 to not take advantage of what Warren Hatch and I told him, which was that we had the finance committee all teed up to use a portion of the repatriated money for infrastructure. The, uh, I'm going to have to zip, Mark. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for the bottom of my heart. Let me just ask you a final question. Is you're, yeah. One of these days, you're going to get to be my age. Um, as a matter <laughs> of fact, you beat me by a few months. I was Why just shouldn't I retire? I six months older. Why shouldn't I retire and let you and your generation tackle the challenges of the American economy? You still believe in America, and I've, I'm getting a little bit concerned. I, I, I think I, I framed that comment from Abi Ban for, for a reason, is that I'm very much aware of what the challenge is, and I think there are a lot of ways to chip away at the skepticism. Uh, two days ago, I was in Medford, Oregon, Southern Oregon, and economies hit them very hard. And the paper did something I thought very appealing. It went out and put together a program just with very young journalists, really pretty much out of school. You can see it online. It's called Rosebud. And I walked out of there and said, boy, I feel pretty good about where Medford's headed if they can just keep this kind of talent in town. Good ideas, smart, practical, anxious to make the system work. Wasn't a bad question in sight. So we got we got a lot of heavy lifting to do. No nobody nobody is going to be able to minimize uh, minimize that. But I do believe deeply in the resilience of the country in our institutions, on the first-generation Jew. Nobody ever thought first-generation Jewish kid had the chance that I've had for public service. Well, I think it's because of American values that I've had those opportunities. Well, with that, I'm not going to retire. And if I can, let's continue, because we talk about ideas. Hopefully, you know, our little organization does have principles and enjoyed working with you and I thank you for that. You 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 all can be enormously influential. You can find a path to making the tax code fairer in a way that gives everybody in America the chance to get ahead, close the loopholes that I'm talking about. You all could be enormously influential in this and uh, for my closing 
comment, and I'm sorry for the bad manners today, just got away from us on out um, in Oregon. Um, our door is always well, uh, is always open to the organization and uh, and your members, many of whom I think I've gotten to know over the years. Thank you so much. To be continued. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.